0: To celebrate the recent publication of the Oxford Companion to Spirits and Cocktails, we partnered with some amazing brands to explore a few of our most interesting findings from the research, writing, and editing of the book. This week's episode is in partnership with Campari. The book is now available at bookstores around the world. Cheers. Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars. I'm Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast half-full editor. Joining me as always is my colleague and co-host, David Wondrich. How are you, Dave?
1: Well, you know, that's a complicated question these (laughs) days, but... (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Fair. I'm personally fine, uh, so let's let's go with that. Thank you. Yourself?
0: Fine, (laughs) and I think today's topic will certainly uh, buoy our spirits and and hopefully the spirits of our listeners. Today's topic is all about Italian cocktails and the link between America and Italy, this mixological link. And, you know, I am a fan of all things Italy, but you were actually half Italian and, and speak Italian, which I'm very, very jealous of.
1: Well, uh, it, was, uh, it was very weird when I was a kid, so. <laughs> 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 but uh, Italy has had such a huge influence on uh, American drinking, which is kind of funny because uh, the italians aren't huge uh uh go out and uh drink a gang of cocktails people you know they'll they'll have an aperitivo at the aperitivo hour they might have a cocktail or they'll have something else but they don't uh, they don't really uh sink a lot of these drinks uh, recreationally like like uh we do in america and it's that's more like the anglo-saxon and northern european tradition and yet they've been like really influential and it's it's kind of funny uh, partly through making uh all of these extremely useful products and we can talk about some of them
0: it's kind of a funny thing because when you go to italy or if you're you're fortunate enough to go and, and i haven't been in, in several years that you know the cocktail culture is very specific right like yeah, there's like exactly. very there's a there's a there's a philosophy shared I, i'd say probably countrywide as to like when to drink cocktails and what cocktails to drink, which we don't really have in America, obviously. Um, yeah. More of a free-for-all here.
1: <laughs> it's not really a, a culture of uh, widespread people, you know, going out and having a bunch of drinks. Uh, they'll have a drink. Yeah. But they appear in the most amazing places in Italy. You go to, like, one of these fantastic ice cream shops and uh, where where they've got, like, Forty kinds of homemade gelato that's all absolutely delicious with all these wild flavors, uh, and yet if you're there between like five o'clock and seven o'clock, suddenly the bartender there or the the you know the ice cream guy right. is, is making phenomenal cocktails and shaking them in beautiful silver shakers and the whole thing. It's like wait, what's happening here? It's unbelievable. You know, the world has gone mad. Candy stores uh, anywhere really.
0: Italian food culture, I mean, is is one of the best in the world and one of the most revered. And you can find Italian restaurants, certainly all over America and in many oh, parts yeah. of the world. And, and I think, you know, drinking is, you know, really is so essential for Italians. Drinking and eating are so linked. You know, it's really one drives the other, right? Where so many of the cocktails yeah, are exactly. aperitivos, right? The idea that you're going to have it. Before dinner, it starts your appetite, it gets you, you know, it starts the ritual of dinner almost.
1: They wouldn't dream of serving that cocktail to you without something to nibble on.
0: Right. <laughs> Which I appreciate.
1: No, we don't do that. Of course. <laughs> you know? here, here's olives. It's like, so here, at least have some potato chips and some olives, or, uh, you know, we've got some little slices of, of house-made pizza or little rolls of like mozzarella and, and, uh, and, and uh, salami, you know, whatever they, they've always, yeah. there's always something, you know, and, and that's just kind of cool. Yeah. see, so Everybody is just snacking away and they have their lovely cocktails uh, made by really some of the best bartenders on earth are Italian. And, you know, that is proven yeah. whenever they go abroad and end up in these really prestigious jobs.
0: And a level of hospitality too, that like where people take it very seriously that when oh, yeah. you're at their bar, they want to make you feel at home, right? And it's whether it's, you know, feeding you snacks or mixing up drinks or mm-hmm. being attentive. It's it's a it's a very specific style of bartending that I wish America was closer and we could experience more
1: often. And no, it could be it could be really lovely. And it's a wonderful uh you know, that aperitivo tradition if you're out and about during the that hour or those two hours. It's just so pleasant, you know, to see everybody just really enjoying and relaxing.
0: We had talked uh, a while ago, and you'd written a story for, the, for, for Half Full several years ago about kind of this amazing mixological link that connects American bar culture and Italian bar culture, which at first seemed completely separate, but like there's a very important sharing of, of ideas and intellectual, you know, property that connects both countries maybe we could talk about a little bit about the evolution of some of these drinks
1: let's start with vermouth and then maybe we'll talk about bitters a little it's a good
0: place to start
1: yeah I always start with you know good vermouth uh vermouth uh made in italy and uh, then a little bit later in southern france it was really kind of the the specialty of the kingdom of savoy which got split up into italy and france so it used to be this this area of of north uh Northwest Italy and Southeast France. Vermouth, you know, a a fortified wine, lightly fortified, uh, uses generally a sweet white wine with a bunch of spices and uh, wormwood, which is, uh, vermouth is the German word for wormwood, Uh, just a little bit of that for bitterness. So it was kind of this spice appetite stimulating wine was the idea. It had been coming into America in the Early 19th century, some from France and some from Italy, but really in small quantities and only for people uh, of those ethnic communities. Nobody else was drinking it. You know, Italy gets uh, unified in the 1860s and so
0: called the Reggie right? The Victor Emmanuel II. The, the
1: yeah, exactly. You've, you've got suddenly they've got a king and a government. It's things are stable and there's a lot of capital available, especially in the north. And one of the things that they capitalize is some of these crafty, very good uh, general spirits manufacturers who make things like bitters and vermouth, liqueurs and all kinds of things in the European tradition, and the Italian tradition. And uh, they start shipping more and more vermouth to America. And it gets over here and we don't really know what it is. You know, Is it a bitter? Is it a, a this? Is it a that? So uh, first thing we, we do is what we do with everything. We try making cocktails out of it. And uh, you pour some vermouth into a glass, uh, stir it around with some ice and some bitters. And, you know, they'll put a little sugar in it, even though it's already sweet. But uh, we like their drinks sweet. We thought, hey, that's not bad. And you start seeing that in the 1860s. I mean, that's early. Yeah. Uh, a word of this gets back to Italy. And the Italians go, huh, bitters and vermouth that's so crazy. It just might work. And, uh, they try it on their own and they say, this is pretty good. So by, you know, as these things go over to America more and more, uh, the, the vermouth and, uh, they realize that they're selling more and more of this, they start doing what the Italians do when they want to mix drinks is bottling it. <laughs> you know, they yeah. didn't, didn't, they didn't really have a culture back then of bartending, uh, mixing of the bartender mixing drinks, it was more like the liqueur maker mixed the drinks and mm. then the bartenders poured them. So they're bottling uh, all these things called Americanos or vermouth al Americano, American style vermouth, which means vermouth and bitters. And you could tell that it's American style because they've got all these fanciful American flags all over the labels. <laughs> <laughs> which is just great, you know, it's right. like, whoa, <laughs> it's very patriotic, it's never been to America in the slightest, that gives us the drink known as the Americano, uh, right. which in Italy was with vermouth and, and uh, some Amaro or a aperitivo bitter and a little bit of, of chilled soda water, all very delightful and, uh, you know, a really good summer drink, uh, Italy is a pretty hot country. Yeah. So uh they've got that, but uh meanwhile in America, we're taking that original vermouth cocktail with, with the vermouth and the bitters, and uh it, it had a problem, is it just wasn't strong enough yeah. for the for the American taste. So what if you switch out half the vermouth for gin or whiskey? Hey, I don't know. That sounds right. kind of crazy. Half of Vermouth, half gin. They try it, and uh, guess what.
0: One hell of a drink, and and I guess that and that kind of that gives birth like the modern version is is still basically the same of americano, right? I mean, it, usually in America, where where it's you know it's usually, Campari, sweet vermouth, soda water. That's
1: yeah, that's an americano. That's and I mean, uh, I mean Campari eventually is the dominant Italian uh, aperitivo. It, it really comes to own the americano originally you could make it with other things too but campari definitely uh uh earned its place in the, in the drink and also uh it's light and bright and less heavy than some of the uh, uh the amaros that had been used but meanwhile you know this uh idea of the vermouth cocktail with uh, bitter and uh whiskey or gin gives us the Manhattan and the martini right. I was gonna so say it sounds here.
0: very similar to another trick that um yeah. we both had once or twice um once or twice but it's and it's funny because it takes a different form so that instead of the like you know becomes like you know the the bitters you know the more um uh concentrated type of bitters for those cocktails right yeah. like a few dashes of of a bitter right whether it's you know, orange or, you know, the Angostura or whatever, you know, that you're partial to. But it's interesting yeah. in Italy, it's still there. They're still using the the more sort of lighter flavorful kind of the, the Campari aperitif style bitter instead of the more
1: concentrated. Uh, There's a whole Campari connection there we'll get into in another episode. But uh yeah, the, the American one, you know, we made ours a very strong, concentrated drink right. with just a little <laughs> bit of bitter. And eventually the bitter's get uh get dropped out by 1920 right uh, but originally the manhattan uh, had uh, uh well manhattan still has bitters the martini originally had bitters too but they used orange bitters which were new new and exciting in america although very old in holland and places like that
0: and as we've discussed on other episodes of life behind bars some of the original both manhattan and martini recipes also were inverted where it was more vermouth than mm-hmm. spirits so i mean clearly You know none of this is like you know happens like you know quickly it's you it's definitely like a evolution of the recipe as people are experimenting and they're swapping in in and out things and they're you know they're they're
1: it's also their priorities you know what what they want out of a drink uh in the 19th century they wanted it a little sweeter and richer in the 20th century they wanted it a little leaner and then in the mid-20th century they wanted it to just be all booze, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and the vermouth gets reduced to like vestigial right. amounts, if any.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, there there are many bartenders who just like to wave the bottle of vermouth around the glass or move the shaker next to the bottle and and, and don't pour it in. And obviously, I think that's a real shame.
1: I'm not crazy about that style. It's a, it was a 1950s style, and it was sort of a... Uh, let me out macho you with my martini you know right. oh <laughs> you uh you let the sun shine through the vermouth bottle right. and uh in in into the into the gin and that's how you get it in there i i don't like that kind of wet martini myself <laughs> I, was gonna say,
0: I was gonna say spoiler alert that that doesn't impress you or me you know drink yeah. it however you like with a lot of vermouth with little vermouth and no vermouth i mean that's your business but uh, exactly I, I don't i would just impress anybody with the, <laughs> the amount of vermouth that you put in your cocktail
1: <laughs> and part of it was like how to make the your martini the driest in the world right you know and and it, it was just basically jokes that ended up really influencing bartenders and drinkers i drank a lot of those no vermouth martinis when i was uh, Uh, hanging out in dive bars in new york in the early 80s and they were very strong
0: yeah Uh, well there's not a lot left if you take out the vermouth but no
1: no bitters (laughs) those were long gone there's no vermouth Uh, Hmm. fortunately a lot of these dive bars watered their gin so (laughs) right that's that's
0: there's that for a long time i think you know the americano and it's and the related negroni were kind of like an insider's drink, you know, for, for craft cocktail bars. And, you know, if you walked up to the bar and said, you know, I'd like a Negroni was kind of like, Oh, like this person knows drinks like this because like nobody was really, you know, in most craft cocktail bars, that wasn't, was still kind of on the DL, right. It was still like, it was still an insider drink. And then over the last, I don't know, 10 years, it has blown up in a way where, Negroni is everywhere (laughs) it's all over thanks to Stanley
1: Tucci now (laughs) right that's true
0: too Stanley Tucci and others but it's like yeah you know it it, and people you know who I never you know who'd never heard of the Negroni 10 years or are are not only drinking them but like you know ambassadors for them you know they're you know they're evangelizing you know about the Americanos and they're you know there's you know, they're creating, you know, Mezcal Negronis and this kind of Negroni and that I kind mean, of, and it's like...
1: it's definitely an unexpected transition. You know, when I was a kid, I'd go over to Italy with my family. One of the things that kids got to drink was little red, non-alcoholic bitters.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And, and it was very bitter and weird. And I'd come back to America and, and a kid could go for, for 16 to 18 months without tasting a single bitter thing. Right. You know, it was just not bitter, it was not part of the American palate. Yeah. It's and just, uh, it's, so uh, it, it's really, I think, a part of the culinary revolution that people learned to tolerate uh, bitter flavors and things. Yeah. You know, they'd learn to tolerate kale, a vegetable I always hated when I was a kid uh, and uh, and still do. But, uh, you know, they they learned to tolerate these 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 very bitter uh, flavors, which had not really been part of the American palate. So it, yeah. it's kind of funny. But in Italy, that's they're just normal.
0: I remember Dale DeGroff talking about how that was a big thing where, in a, you know, in America, like, you know, as kids and adults, so many of the beverages, the sodas are sweet. I mean, obviously, there are a few exceptions to that, like Moxie up in Maine and, yeah. and and the celery soda, Dr. Brown's, and that used to be uh, around New York. But, but those things seem so odd to me as a kid, like, you know, and, and so unbelievably bitter. And just sort of like the extreme and, and I like, wow, why would anybody drink that when you could drink, you know, cola or ginger ale or something else? No. And and it's really, I mean, other cultures, it's bitter is, is really a prized flavor from all the, you know, the, the black licorice in Scandinavia to the, as you were talking about the bitter beverages to all, you know, it, it just shows up in many different forms. And in America, I feel like we're almost We're like just getting into bitter, as weird as that sounds. Like we're embracing bitter flavors over the last decade, and and certainly the Negroni, the Americano, Campari itself. Like its recent popularity just shows how how far we've come as a country in embracing bitter.
1: Well, you know it's kind of ironic. England, uh, whose culture is sort of the 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 wellspring of the majoritarian tradition in American cooking, right? They actually invented the bitters, cocktail bitters, uh, aperitivo bitters. Everything it you all know, goes back to this English apothecary. So it's kind of funny. It's uh, yeah. It, uh, it, we we abandoned that taste early on, and in uh, you know in Italy it it just was uh, bedrock as a part of Italian cuisine. And I mean this is a you know a, a country where radicchio is popular. Very yeah. Popular.
0: I was just thinking that. You know the bitterness and and greens and and, mm-hmm. and even wine varietals like certain things that you know yeah. would never be you know wouldn't be popular in America for for decades centuries really and now you know that seems in some ways the most cutting edge thing in America is 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 the sort of shift to bitter and over the last few years there's definitely been cookbooks about bitter and all types of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. beer products and it's just it's fascinating because if you would ask me even 10 years ago, if I ever thought that there would be like a huge boom in bitter cocktail America, I would have been, I would have laughed. I mean, I don't, I, know, I would yeah. never have, I mean, Coming anything else. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> who would drink them besides like, yeah. you know, a few people that I know. <laughs> like, who like, and obviously there were always people, you know, uh, there was plenty of Italian Americans and people from Italy who live in America, you know, who, who drank mm-hmm. these things. But like, the mass popularity of of the Negroni and the Americano over the last few years is just really the
1: fact that you can get Negronis coast to coast in in like you know you could go up the bar at a family restaurant chain
0: yeah and they were sure. make a Negroni and yeah yeah that's, casual that's dining yeah that they would have it I mean it's yes I mean I think we it's like something out of a dream like I w- I don't yeah. think I would have uh, I I, I it, it's it's something I would never have predicted or even like contemplated because it seemed so that would never happen, but, you know, which, which makes me, you know, very optimistic about, uh, yeah, some of the other drinks and, you know, and that people are, are maybe more willing to experiment and enjoy things now, um, you know, in cocktails and spirits and all types of flavors that maybe they've never had before. So
1: yeah we could certainly hope i mean that's uh, (laughs) i hope i hope it's not an outlier we gotta we gotta find a bright side somewhere exactly i'll take it i'll take it i'll take it i'll take (laughs) it exactly
0: my friend the other day was was looking in you know obviously a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today is in the oxford companion there's Mm longing there's a long entries about and you know uh, obviously the evolution of, of different types of vermouth and you know i you know somebody who my friend who got the book was flipping through and was asking me what cocktails to make and, and and he wound up making the old pal
1: and i mean that goes back to paris in the 1920s where uh campari actually had an office uh, a marketing office uh and they and they were doing great in france and there, you you come up with all these cocktails to the point where uh an american traveler in 1932 or three uh nina wilcox i believe uh she's she says uh, uh about france all of france is divided into three parts uh gin italian vermouth uh and, and italian bitters <laughs> <laughs> because that Fair. was what everybody was drinking right. but really for for a while there like drinks like the old pal was uh, the signature drink of an american sports writer who'd been a power walker a race walker and uh, a boxing glove manufacturer who goes to France and gets a job for the Paris edition of the international, uh, of of the New York Herald Tribune. Rather, his brain was so addled they gave him a sports column, because uh, everything he wrote was so funny and weird. Sparrow Robertson was his name, and uh, it was just so colorful and 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 half deranged that everybody wanted to read it. And uh, that was uh, he called everybody my old pal whether he knew them or not and so that became the old pal cocktail which he was what he drank which is just it's pretty sophisticated drink
0: yeah that's really interesting i feel like that kind of spirit of creativity and, and you know and experimentation that you know we saw in in the 1800s with bartenders you know playing around with bitters and mm-hmm. sweet vermouth and like it's still fun today. Like I understand why oh, yeah. they did it then because, you know, it's your, you know, who swap in modern ingredients or things that are popular mm-hmm. here, whether it's rye whiskey or, you know, mezcal or tequila or what, well, I mean, any, you know, aqua, whatever you want, you know, you can, you can try out these different combinations and it's not only fun, but some of them are really
1: delicious. <laughs> so <laughs> I was out up in the Hudson Valley uh, this summer. At a, at a friend's house, and they're not in the drinks business or anything. Uh, and uh, I was looking through their ca- their liquor cabinet there, and I pulled out a bottle of Campari, a bottle of sweet vermouth, and a bottle of uh, high proof funky Jamaican pot still rum. And uh, I was I made Kingston Negronis, as they're known, <laughs> which is a, 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 a it's not my drink. It's it's, right. it's been floating around for a while, but everybody was just astounded at how good it was, yeah. you know? And it was just a, a Negroni with, with rum instead of gin. But uh, it's just a, a little change like that, and you've got a whole different world. It, it, was, it was really, that was, that was actually very fun, and that is a delicious drink if you get the rum right.
0: Amazing. You know, hopefully uh, this has inspired everybody to uh, pick up some uh, vermouth and, and bitter, some Campari and uh, spirit, and mix up a, a drink tonight uh read up on uh ingredients in the oxford companions Mm -hmm. spears and cocktails let us know what you made on twitter um and uh cheers
1: yeah cheers salute
0: (laughs) Dave and i encourage you to drink responsibly always